Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Thanks for coming out and checking us out online if you're doing that. Um, we always, always, always want to use our Bibles. So if you have a Bible that you brought with you, that's awesome. If it's printed, that's great. If it's electronic, that's great. And we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18 to start um, today. So 1 Samuel chapter 18. I just want to be really transparent with you. Um, this morning as I was, or not this morning, this week as I was working on the message, um, it was a struggle. Um, there are just so many ways. We're talking about rejection. Um, there are so many ways to approach this. And uh, I struggled, honestly, with, with what might be best. So I would just like um, to pause and, and ask the Holy Spirit, as we always do, to, to really speak this morning. Let's just pray. Uh, God, we want your word and your words to speak to us this morning. Um, so uh, may your Holy Spirit and your word be alive, and may they reach into our hearts and connect with our spirit. And, and may your words be the things that are communicated, as always. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so uh, I was about 10 years old, and uh, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, um, but we, we did one summer have a membership to a place called Aquamarine. Aquamarine was a swimming pool on the east side of Columbus, and uh, I loved being an Aquamarine. My favorite part of being an Aquamarine was being in the pool. Surprise, right? But the, the best part was when I was able to jump into the deep end. And you know what that was like? It was me as a kid and my mom over on the side, and I would say, Mom! Mom, watch me. Mom, 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 watch. Watch, mom, mom. I'm going to jump in. Mom, mom. And I would jump in, and she would go, okay, that was great. And then I'd get back out, and guess what I would do? Mom, 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 watch. I'm going to jump. Here I go. Mom, 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 mom. You know, right? Do you ever do that? Raise your hand. You did. Every one of us, we were like, watch me. Accept me. Love me. Tell me how special I am. And that's a struggle that we have our entire lives. Rejection is a major giant. We all want approval. We want acceptance. We want love. We want that from our family. We want that from friends. We even want it from people we don't know. This is a major giant. Last week we began um, the series in a specific way with this question, what are you afraid of? And we did a Facebook survey, and by far, I mean, it wasn't even close, the greatest number of things, that, or the greatest category uh, was in the area of approval. People were afraid of failure, of being rejected, of letting someone down, of not being good enough. Far outweighed every other thing. This week in your life group, um, you're going to watch a great video where Louis talks about the difference of living for acceptance, but not from acceptance. The idea is to move from trying to live for acceptance to move to living from acceptance. We've been accepted, and that's why we live. So you're going to have some great discussion on that. If you struggle with this giant, we really pray it again that you hear God's voice, not the enemies who's going to lie to you and tell you that you're not significant. A recent report showed that being um, ignored at a party or not being chosen for a team generates physical symptoms. They did brain scans that show we have the same response to physical pain as we do being rejected. They're the same. So when our feelings are hurt, the pain is real. And we would just ask you today, there are the signs up for fear from last week. 
and the signs up this week for rejection. And, and I encourage you to go like now, anytime. It's not a problem. You're not going to offend anybody if while I'm speaking you go up and write, this is a rejection that I've felt in my life. Just write it down. Or a fear, if you weren't here last week, a fear that you have. These are giants that we want God to take down. So at any point in the service, like really, it's totally cool. Um, just go up there and write that down and just tell God that you want him to work and take that giant down. We want to look at some people in the Bible. Um, always, again, our best examples come from the Word of God. And so we're going to look at Saul first. Saul was rejected. And we find this in 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 6. So David has killed Goliath, and everybody is just amazed and astounded and praising. And here's what happens. Verse 6 in chapter 18. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with they have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me only with thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Because David is celebrated, Saul feels rejected. And he's insanely jealous. For the rest of his life, Saul tries to prove his worth and his life ends in tragedy. So from Saul, we, we can learn that our value doesn't come from what other people say about us. David was also rejected. This David who was celebrated was rejected. First by King Saul, again, who was insanely jealous. He pursued David. He tried to kill him. But before this, when, when Samuel came to the home of David, to, to David's father's house. Samuel said, bring out all your sons. One of them is going to be anointed king. David wasn't even brought into the lineup. His dad didn't think he was even worthy of the possibility of being considered. He was rejected by his own dad. Right before he defeated Goliath, if you read in the story, David's brothers were rejecting him, saying, who do you think you are? You're nobody. Go back home. David's own son, own son, Absalom, after he became king, Absalom led a crusade to try to kill his own father. And when he danced before God, his own wife mocked him. This is from 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, the son of Saul, came out to meet him and said, Well, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of the servants as any vulgar fellow would. Well, that's a pretty nice little reception, isn't it? <laughs> David said to Michael or McCall, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from this house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate 
before the Lord. David was focused on God's glory. He was just going to celebrate. He didn't care what people thought about him. When you're in worship, do you ever worry about what people might think about you, or do you just praise God? From David, we can learn that our value comes from what God says about us. David looked to God for his acceptance and his value. Now, understandably, we all care what people think about us. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be the president of the United States, and you might even think, well, I want people to care. I want them to accept me. After the president's speech, the Chicago Times wrote, the cheek of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, flat, and watery utterances of the man who has to be pointed out to intelligent foreigners as the president of the United States. That was not written about President Trump. That was written about Abraham Lincoln after he gave the Gettysburg Address. Rejection is a big giant. Christian psychiatrist Robert McGee worked with thousands of people who struggled with it. And in response, he wrote the book, The Search for Significance. In it, he presents four ways we look for our purpose and our value. And then he provides a God-centered perspective of our true worth. And we want to just briefly unpack a little bit of this book. The first way we look for significance is through performance. Seekers of performance, uh, seekers of significance through performance have bought Satan's lie that their performance plus people's opinions equals their worth. So it may just be that hiding behind that really good work ethic is a fear of failure. Sometimes people who seek their worth through performance are able to tolerate imperfection in others, but not in themselves. Is that you? Is that me? Through his grace, God says, you are more valuable than your performance. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not according to what we have done, not according to our performance, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted, granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. In Luke 15, there's a a story Jesus tells of a a son who goes to his father and says, give me everything. I want it now. I want my inheritance even though you're still alive. And he takes off and and, and wastes and and just just does not take care of it. He, He squanders literally everything. He hits rock bottom and decides the only way to have life at all is to come back home, beg forgiveness, and promise to work as a slave to earn his father's approval. You know the story probably, but while he's what? He's a long way off. His father sees him and runs to him. The only picture we have in the Bible of God running. He embraces him and he welcomes him back. See, we don't find our value through performance or by doing good things. Instead, we do good things because our Father welcomes us home. You may have heard this. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you more. Nothing. But this is true as well, and it's so much harder for us to believe. There is nothing you can do 
that will make God love you less. You can do nothing that will make God love you less. Stop striving to try to gain value. God already says you are valuable. The second way we search for significance is seeking approval. Approval addicts fear rejection and they try to please others, sometimes at basically any cost. Approval seekers can be overly sensitive to criticism. Sometimes they avoid people or opportunities simply because they don't want to face the possibility of rejection. If you're an approval seeker, listen up. You need to rest in the truth that God values you. In Luke 12, 24, Jesus says this, Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. God values birds. Jesus isn't saying he doesn't. God's saying he values you even more. So when the giant of rejection confronts you, realize that you're living for an audience of one. And that audience isn't yourself. It's not another person. It's God who created you and who loves you. You are part of the amazing pinnacle of God's creation. Do you believe that? We need to believe that. Another way sometimes we seek significance is by assigning blame. In Search for Significance, McGee writes, We all tend to point an accusing finger assigning blame. Whenever we fail to receive approval, we are likely to search for a reason or a scapegoat. More often than not, we find no one but ourselves to blame. So the accusing finger points right back at us. Self-condemnation is, is a severe form of punishment. So when the enemy says, look at all the junk you do, respond, you're right. And that's exactly when God demonstrated his love for me. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And 1 John 4.11, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's love for us shows us how to love each other. It doesn't mean that we celebrate or ignore ungodly behavior. It does mean that we extend the love and forgiveness that God has shown us to others. At other times, our search for significance leads to the rejection of shame. Shame lies to us and says, you are who you are. You can never be changed. And we live out a familiar but very sad life of condemnation. Hopelessness, inferiority, passivity, a loss of creativity, and isolation are part of this giant. Something from your past might make you believe it's impossible for you to ever experience contentment, joy, or peace. But God says otherwise. Psalm 71.1 says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Which is more powerful? 
something that you've done wrong, or God's ability to overcome it. Some of us live as if the thing is more powerful than God. That robs God's glory. God is able every time. God is greater than your performance or your approval or your shame. Now, seeking God may bring conviction, but shame is from the enemy. McGee also writes, an accurate biblical self-concept of our worth contains both sorrow over sin and joy about forgiveness. Millions of people spend time searching for love, acceptance, and success without understanding the need that compels them. Our value is not dependent on our ability to earn the fickle acceptance of people, but rather its true source is the love and acceptance of God. Let's look at one more Bible character who dealt with rejection. Jesus. More than anyone else, Jesus knows what rejection feels like. Hundreds of years before he came to earth, this was written about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Jesus was rejected, so you wouldn't be. He was rejected by his family, by his brothers and his mom, who thought he was a little bit crazy. Rejected by his disciples, who turned away, especially Judas and Peter. He was rejected by his own people. They chose to free a criminal, Barabbas, a murderer, an insurrectionist, and have Jesus crucified. Jesus was rejected by his heavenly Father. When he hung on the cross with all of our sin nailed there with him, the Father turned his face away. And Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Without question, Jesus felt the agony of being rejected by those closest to him. Pastor Tim Keller writes, if a church member comes to me and says, I never want to see you or talk to you again, I'll feel pretty bad. But if my wife comes to me and says, I never want to talk to you or see you again, that's a lot worse. This loss was between the father and the son who had loved each other from all eternity. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't a rhetorical question. The answer is because of you and because of me, because he loves us. J.K. Rowling was rejected by 12 publishers and finally at the insistence of an eight-year-old girl, the daughter of one of the publishers, Harry Potter was finally accepted. Rowling is now worth $8 billion. But you know what? You're worth more than $8 billion to God. 
I don't know what you've suffered from. I don't know what rejection you faced. It may be that the people who are supposed to love you and encourage you the most have been the very ones who have hurt you and rejected you, told you you're worthless and unimportant and hopeless and unwanted. So maybe you've tried through performance to find approval, but it just doesn't work. Maybe you've searched for significance through approval. Or maybe you've blamed others and said, it's your fault. Or maybe you've said that as you look in the mirror. Or maybe you feel shame because of something that you did or something that was done to you and you feel rejected. Again, maybe people have said, you know what, you're worthless or you're unwanted. Maybe you feel completely rejected today. And life has just pretty much shredded you. Well, God speaks against that lie. God thinks you're worth creating, worth loving, worth saving, worth spending time with. God proclaims that there is great hope for today and for tomorrow. God declares that you are important, and God visibly shows how much he wants you to be his child. And God reaches in to all of your rejection and pain and says, you are loved and you are accepted. And he did it by showing his love for us, allowing Jesus to die on the cross. And as we come to this time in our service, when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, don't believe the lie. Do not understand rejection to be true because it's not. God loves you and he proves it through his son, Jesus. Let's pray. God, give us a deep sense of our need for grace and a deep sense of the reality of your grace. Thank you that you allowed Jesus to be rejected so we can be accepted. All because you love us. In his name, amen. Right now the communion is going to be passed. Take a piece of bread, the, the body of Jesus, and, and a cup, the blood of Jesus, which were broken and poured out for you. Remember the love that God has demonstrated for you. And again, a reminder at any time, Go to the boards and write your fear or the way you felt rejected and turn those things over to God.
to finish the message today, we need to hear one more time the truth that God loves us and accepts us. Lee Strobel tells about a Korean woman who got pregnant by an American soldier. And then he went back to the U.S. and she gave birth to a little girl with light, colored, curly hair. And in that culture at that time, children of mixed race were ostracized by the community. In fact, as hard as this is to believe, the mothers would often kill the, the babies because they felt that the pain of rejection would be greater than the pain of death. A mother didn't do this, and by the time her little girl was seven, however, she did. The mother felt that the rejection was, was just too much, and so tragically, the mother abandoned this little girl to the streets. She was ruthlessly taunted, and they called her alien devil. She finally ended up in an orphanage. One day, word came that a couple was going to adopt a boy. So at least he was going to have a family. And so this little girl spent her day helping these little boys get, get dressed and washed and, and comb their hair. The next day, the couple came, and this is what the girl recalled later. She said, I saw the man lift up each and every baby. I saw tears running down his face. And I knew if they could, they would have taken all of them home. He saw me out of the corner of his eye. I was nine years old, but weighed less than 30 pounds. I had worms in my body, lice in my hair, scars and boils all over me. The man came over to me, gently put his hand on my head, and began rattling something in English. What was he saying? I found out later that he was saying, I want this child. This is the child for me. God places his hand on you and says, this is the child for me. You are my child. Maybe you have a hard time believing that's true. But if you see yourself differently than God does, who needs, who needs to change their point of view? Our true value is not based on our behavior or the approval of others, but on what God's word says is true about us. So I'd like you to please close your eyes and listen to what God says about you. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us? For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Zephaniah 3.17, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Romans 8.35-39, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we face trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? <coughs> 
As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that, neither, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go ahead and open your eyes, but don't close your ears. So many people in the world need to know God's truth. People in your school, your workplace, your family, your neighborhood. So reach them wherever they are. Love them. Bring them with you as you imitate Jesus together and learn about who he is and who you are. And then duplicate that process over and over in relational community. One final verse, Romans 8.1. So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. But that's the key to seeing the giant rejection of fall and stay down. You have to belong to Jesus. Which means you have to give yourself to him. Are you willing? Have you done that? If you haven't, as we sing in just a second, you can come forward and you can talk with us and pray with us and we'll help you see what those next steps are in in receiving Jesus, receiving his promise, dedicating your life back to him. One final thought from Search for for Significance. Although we will never experience absolute freedom this side of heaven, with God we can experience much more than we could ever imagine. It will only occur as we are willing to go deeper in our relationship with him. There will be struggles and failures. However, the Father does not get tired of being there to bring us to victory. The only question is, are you willing to go with him? God loves you. God welcomes you, and God will transform you to be more and more like Jesus. The question isn't, are you worthy? It's, are you willing? If you've never experienced God's freedom and acceptance, no matter how you've been rejected by others, come and receive God's gift of hope and life and peace through Jesus. Let's stand and sing.